Warium is the number one war podcast to hear real and raw stories told by influential military heroes and witnesses. Today's episode is presented by Jake and David, the co-founders of Warheads NFT, the first project to write history on the blockchain. By supporting Warheads, you're helping raise awareness and educate folks on the truth of war. Join them on Twitter and Instagram in the description below for more sessions like this. Katie, what's up? Welcome to Warium. Uh, you're the honorable second guest on our show here. Um, and absolutely not the least. So we're stoked to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a good time. As soon as we heard your voice on the call before, we were like, wow, she has a great voice. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, no introduction needed. I don't know. David, spit some facts about her. Well, she Just for uh, the audience. Yeah, she obviously already knows. Yeah, so uh, she is currently the the company uh, commander of the seventeenth OD, well EOD, which is a, a bomb squad for for people who are not um, knowledgeable about the military. She is into health, fitness, and nutrition, and she's got the world record for the fastest one mile run with a bomb suit. <laughs> Pretty interesting, no? Yeah. She's a proven badass. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you're in Kentucky at the moment. Uh, currently, right now, I'm actually down in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. So not a bad place to be stationed. No. For? Uh, for ROTC. Um, definitely taking a little bit of a break from my normal duties and i currently just for a short time teaching some cadets uh how to uh military how to put their uniforms on and how to military yeah cool you're gonna be patient with that no they teach me patience every day and uh, i definitely tell them i definitely need to work on my breathing exercises because sometimes they uh (laughs) they push my blood pressure but (laughs) it's a good job cool yeah uh i mean we we i have so many questions but i just kind of want to keep it flowing so um yeah what so so you move around quite a bit what's your day-to-day like at the moment because we saw that you do some work for the president, for the vice president, kind of s- scoping out the the sites before they show up and that kind of thing. So what's a, like a week to week maybe is better in Katie Hernandez's life? Right, so uh, during uh, periods of conventional EOD um, training and my job, a lot of our missions come from BIT missions, which we call very important people missions. So we are in constant support of the president, vice president, foreign dignitaries, um, anybody of note that need that type of protection. And we'll go out in teams and we will recon an area, make sure that everything is safe for whoever's coming in. Um, so we'll check hotel rooms. Sometimes it's not as sexy. Sometimes, you know, we're going through the sewers or attics, um, just making sure that if there is any potential threats that we come across them first. So that's definitely one part of our job. 
Cool. Um, I, I was just thinking when I was uh, reading your your profile and what what you do and and everything to do with this, the the political climate in America has been kind of difficult the past years. I can't imagine that that your job now is more important than than ever now. Or or how how do you view it? Yeah, absolutely. So I did a lot of um, my work during under President Obama's um, administration. And so this was when I was in Hawaii. And depending on who the president is, definitely dictates our op tempo and where we're traveling. Um, President Obama had a house in Hawaii, and he definitely traveled a lot through the PACOM area. So we did a lot of traveling, you know, Thailand, Malaysia, places like that. Um And so depending on who is our commander in chief, that's, you know, it definitely dictates what we do and how many missions that we have. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, did you ever speak to Obama himself or <laughs> how close uh, do you get to these guys? <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of times um, we're working with other three letter agencies. Um, yeah. And so we'll see their caravans go by, but as far as interactions, it's definitely, um, presidentially independent as far as how much interaction they want to have with service members. Um, oftentimes it's very minimal. Okay. F fair enough. So fair you don't enough. ever get to like tell them that you're the one who's saving their ass before they walk up to a spot. <laughs> I wish, I wish we could, but uh, no. <laughs> Damn it. Cool. Uh, well, shit, one of the main things I want to ask you is just the bomb suit, like, scenario. Of course, you probably know that that's coming up, like, all the time, but, um, how does that even come about? You're just, like, somebody in your circle, or you woke up one day and was like, yeah, I could, I could run in a bomb suit. <laughs> yeah, so, it's kind of funny, um, I had a really dear friend of mine, Ashley Sorensen, she, uh, took the record from another female out of Europe. And so she got the record, I believe, in 2016. And I remember it happening, and I was like, oh, good for her. That sounds cool. And then completely forgot about it. And then once I took command, I was at, when I was at Fort Campbell, um, it came across my social media. And I was like, huh, I wonder uh, if I could take a stab at it. And my friend, Sean Matson, who you guys are familiar with, who is the owner of Cardo Max. Um, he reached out, we started talking and we're like, let's do this. Let's start training for it. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. <clears throat> and you followed through with it and you did it and you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. So like the day that I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Uh, me and my first sergeant, we went out and uh, he put me in the bomb suit and I was just like, let's just run a mile and see where we're at. Uh, so we ran the first step you know, for the first time ran a mile and it was just like, okay, I can do this. Uh, so after, after that, I trained about once a week in the bomb suit, um, for leading up to about a year, it got postponed because of COVID. So definitely had to train longer than anticipated. And, uh, yeah, we were in the rain, snow, I, gosh, my soldiers and my first sergeant, I owe them a ton of thank you because they invested a lot of time into my training as well. Wow. Uh, I just noticed something. I'm going to bring it up. In, yeah, in I just realized, too. I just too? realized, too. yeah. <laughs> We're going to ask you in a second. But, um, yeah, uh, take me back to that first mile that you ran in the bomb suit. Do you know what the time was on that? Was that successful, or what was that like? I was about, I if I recall, it was about 20 seconds off. Um, but it was it was awful. Off so the record. Me, yeah, off, off the record. I was On your first try. Yeah. 
come on, dude, come on. Yeah. Um, and I just remember that first time, I didn't have my equipment right, right? We just like pulled a bomb suit out, out of the cages and just threw one on. And we hadn't had it adjusted. And after, you know, running in it for a while, I get experience. I know where I want things tighter and looser. But that first time, my helmet kept like sliding back. And when I was oh, done my. with that first mile, my whole forehead was bloody. Uh, I have a photo of it, oh, but right God. here, just like rubbing and like <laughs> every step I took. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was the first time. <laughs> That's That's so crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Does it take longer for you to put the suit on or, or to make the actual run? <laughs> That's actually a, a good question. So it actually kind of takes a team. I definitely can't get into it by myself. So all the time that I put in, there was definitely always one or two people there. Um, one person to you know help put the suit on, one person to help pace me and keep my time. Because once you put the suit on, the helmet goes on, you start moving everything all your situational awareness uh starts to go um through our job and through training it gets better but when you're just straight running and not focusing on your job <laughs> it's definitely like you, you can't hear things there's like earmuffs and like <laughs> so here you're trying to hear the time and your pace um that can get difficult but yeah i always had a team with me cool um yeah this this thing behind you um this this is a Gurkha cookery knife yes yes I'm impressed we 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 know this well it's part of our project we we have the Gurkhas in the project um and I think we realized it at the same time yeah I just I was looked at it I was like is that a Gurkha you know like it definitely is I actually have um let's see so I actually got two. So I got that one. That's for uh, novelty. I got one that the the Gurkhas. Wow, look gave. at that one. Yeah, they gave you. Yep, this wow, one. Wow, talk about that for a second. A plaque with them. Um, wow. So pretty much, we went over to do some. We a uh, part of EOD. We do a lot of peacekeeping operations. Um, and so we went over, we trained the Nepalese EOD military. Um, and funny enough, I had just graduated from pre-ranger out of Hawaii. First female to graduate out of pre-ranger. So my head was still shaved when I went over there. So when I went over there, they were kind of asking questions. And then they were like, well, let's show you our ranger school. So I got an awesome photo with like their equivalent of the rangers and the Naples army. And um, yeah, it gave me a knife and this little plaque. So it was an amazing experience. That is so cool. Can you, can you show us that knife one more time? Yeah. So there it is. Oh, that's a little guy. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> that one behind is is a lot bigger. <laughs> that one's a big one. Yep. <laughs> cool. That is so cool. Yeah, familiar for sure. A couple of our our, our guys have have those pieces. So uh, yeah. I've been educated on the subject since we started. So uh, David's been a little bit of my my teacher. David is the the history nut. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back to the. There, it's an incredible experience that watching them train up the, the mountains. They're like goats. They they're really like, badass, no? <laughs> incredible, and they uh, yeah, they have females in there out running the guys. Like they don't care. They're just like if you can get the job done, that's all that matters. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, and you compete in the cross. Well, actually, real quick, just I should have pointed it out a second ago. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what this like bomb suit is like, it's an 84 pound suit and the helmet alone is what? 12 pounds. Yeah. 12 pounds. 
like carrying a boulder on your head. Crazy. That, that's, yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, I definitely think the most difficult part is the first is lack of range of motion. You kind of feel like the Michelin man just running around. Um, and look like it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then the, the helmet, you know, when you're running, you, you try to like have everything aligned and in good, but if you move forward too much or backward too much, that helmet's going to take you with it. So, um, and then you also turn into like kind of like a parachute. If it's rainy or windy, it's definitely going to affect how you run. Man. <laughs> you, you, we can uh, next time me and David come to the states, we can meet up. You can do a little training session with us, maybe a USO event or something. Bring Sean along. You can put us in a bomb suit and see how we react. Yeah, <laughs> that'd yeah. be incredible. Uh, maybe for you, I don't know about us. But, um, cool. So yeah, so that's one of your many accolades. So also, you compete in the the CrossFit uh, National Games. Is it World Championships or, or National Championships, or how does that go? So the highest level that I've competed is called is um, international. It's actually held in Miami. Um, it's called Wadapalooza. Um, I competed in the last year, and um, just to qualify alone was such, for me, like a, a personal accomplishment. Um, just being able to compete on a stage with the best in the world, um, and seeing you know people that you follow and uh, that you look up to, and they're just walking around normal people. Um, that that was a highlight. So. Um, tryouts and qualifications for that are coming up so gearing gearing up to you know throw down and hopefully uh, have a chance to go and compete again on that kind of a stage looking forward to it hell yeah i know uh, we're here supporting you that's for sure um and we could sit here and hype you up all day which i will continue to do um <laughs> uh, but what is that like when you show up on the stage is is katie getting butterflies is she having any self-doubt at all how do you how do you push that off and is it just like you know are you just another normal person walking on the stage with with these other normal people or is it like do you feel like there's hierarchy there or something like that oh for sure you, de you definitely feel the uh being a little bit intimidated but i think right before i compete in anything um i've always been this way you kind of go out with with confidence telling yourself, all right, we got this. Everything, you know, you've trained for is coming down to this moment. So you really have to appreciate the moment you're in, take a deep breath. Uh, the only time I get that like nervous pit in my stomach is like that three, two, one, go. Like right there. So the few seconds leading up to whether it's a buzzer or the ref's whistle or whatever it may be, I was like, I always do this. Oh, okay. And then it's like go time. And then it's, you know, put your head down and grind and, you know, do what you're there to do. Take a deep breath before now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it also helps you like take it all in. A lot of these bigger events, if you don't take a minute to just take a step back and look at your surroundings, realize, you know, how awesome it is to see even be there the whole weekend will go by and, you're going to be like, I don't even know what just happened. I just blacked out. <laughs> so remembering <laughs> yeah. to also enjoy, you know, those moments. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as uh, he David competed, he, he always keeps it low-key. Somehow I always end up being the one to, like, break the secret to everybody. It's not really a secret. But David competed at a really high level of soccer. There's two yeah. Americans here, so that's yeah. when you use the term soccer yeah. instead of football. No worries. <laughs> no worries. It's okay. Sorry, sorry it's buddy. It's okay. <laughs> um, so David competed at an incredibly high level of, of um, soccer. 
I did not play college sports, uh, but I was an athlete going up to that. And as an athlete, uh, when you're competing, no matter if you're against the best in the division, the best in the in the West or whatever the situation is, once you're in the the zone, you're just competing. You know, you don't have that like uh, second conscious that's coming in the back of your head saying, oh, but what about these guys? You just give it all you got and then you see how you end up. So I imagine it's somewhat similar for you when you're competing, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in reference, like, to my bomb suit run, I remember during our train-up, the old record was 11.26, I believe it was. And I remember during training, we had run it once uh, sub-10. And I was like, all right, I'm feeling great. I'm at the you know top of my training right now. I'm ready to do this. And then it come, came to game day. And I had to kind of put my competitive nature, you know, aside. And I looked at my first start and I was like, I could go out and try to run a sub 10, but then I risk, you know, burning out and then not getting the record at all. And I was, we talked about it. I was like, I really honestly only have to beat the world record by one second to still beat the world record. So yeah. like, we actually played it a little conservative on the first couple laps, which was good because those two laps were over and I had no idea what happened. I think it was like the nerves and everything, you know? Um, and then the last two laps were like, all right, we got this, let's pick it up. Um, so eventually ended up beating it by close to a minute, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, definitely need to take it all in when you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I read that um, Sean Madsen, what he did is that in the beginning, his first two attempts or something like that, he ran it a bit too fast in the beginning. And then it ended up, you know, backstabbing him a little bit towards the end. So you, you learned a little bit from that, didn't you? Oh, oh, 100%. And poor Sean. So me and him were supposed to actually <laughs> both run. He was supposed to be going for the male world record and I was going for the female. And uh, the night before, like it's two nights before, uh, something medical came up and he couldn't do it. And I was like, Sean, you're going to make me run this all by myself. <laughs> you know, at least I had him to go out there with me. Um, but yeah, his story is kind of heartbreaking. That would have been uh, his third attempt because of the first two times he went out too hot. Um, so I definitely learned from him. So we're going to gather the squad and get Sean back on the, on the tarmac <laughs> there. Yeah, for sure. Start a movement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that happens when you do, you know, training and, and real game is not the same. I felt like when I would play a game, for example, and there would be a lot of people watching, I would make a sprint and I'd be exhausted, you know, just from the pressure expectation and stuff like that. So I think I think that was a pretty good technique that you used to just slow it down, breathe and just have have a conservative pace. If, if you knew you were going to make the, the time, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You got it exactly right. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go back to, to the beginning a, a little bit. Actually, I, I'm interested to, to know how. Like, why did you decide to enlist? Uh, I've seen, a, I heard a couple of stories um, that you had to do a, a pull-up or something like that, and then you, you got it. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of funny. Um, I had, you know, I was in college, and there was a, crew, a recruiter with his table out, and he had a pull-up bar, and he's like, you look like you could do a pull-up. 
uh, win this t-shirt. So I did my pull up and I got my t-shirt and he was like, you're perfect for the military sign here. And I did. And <laughs> I remember calling my easy. mom. Yeah. I remember calling my mom. I'm like, I don't know what just happened, but I think I just uh, joined the military. She starts crying. I'm like, I don't know. I get my uniform tomorrow. So, <laughs> uh, but it was something that it had intrigued you before. No. I mean, yeah, I think I was always kind of a wild card growing up and, uh, you know, it was always like somebody telling me I couldn't do something I wanted to do that good or bad, you know? Uh, and so when I was able to find the military, everything just clicked. It was like, oh, this is what I was, I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I think before then I was kind of a little lost. I was always interested in like kinesiology and phys ed and health and coaching. But once I joined the military, everything Everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, it just felt right. Yeah. So it it fulfilled all all your expectations or 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 what? Yeah. It definitely and it channel it challenged me and it definitely channeled me into you know putting all of like I'm a very passionate and dedicated person and I I can have a lot of tenacity and it definitely channeled all of that into something good and you know better than myself and bigger than myself. So all that appealed to me. Mm. How far along are you now? in the in the military. 10 years Close. halfway huh are you gonna stop at 20 you think you're gonna keep going oh man uh i'm not sure what i'm doing tomorrow so <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i'll probably do the 20 at this point <clears throat> yeah fair enough let's see uh when we get there maybe we'll sit down again when 10 10 more pass by yeah um yeah okay so 10 way 10 years into the career enjoying it one thing that i always like to hear about um i guess not even just from you know military members but especially from you guys because the the lifestyle that you live is is i'm sure complicated to balance similar you know maybe even comparable to an entrepreneur or a professional athlete or something like that where um, you're fully dedicated to what you do and when duty calls you're there um and so are you are you in a relationship at the moment? What's the, the status there? Um, no. So relationship. She's single. Right. Oh yeah. God. The audience. She's single. It's like whenever I post like ask the me secrets out. It's always like the number one question. Yeah, um, the secrets out. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean I, I've definitely dated here and there and uh you know, I was engaged once, so, I don't know, six years ago, but you know, the military, it moves you every couple years. And my job being EOD is a no notice response. So even when I am located somewhere, it's like, you're getting phone calls, you're, you're leaving, you're going, you know, to, you know, I had my nine month deployment to Afghanistan. Um, so you're there, but you're not really there. Um, and I definitely take my job very seriously. And so when you're moving every two years, um, it can be hard to develop those types of relationships, um, even just friendships, you know, so it probably takes me about a year to get comfortable and find my routine and find a group of people that I'm like, yeah, they got my back. Um, but then you leave, like I'm right now, I'll be leaving next summer and I met a lot of great people, but I'll be, you know, moving. And sometimes my, my stations aren't two years. Sometimes they're six months. So um, it definitely makes it difficult. And I think at my age, it's kind of funny because whenever I move and I meet my new boss, the first few questions are like, oh, you know, uh, you know, so who's your husband and what does he do? I'm like, oh, no husband, you know, and then they're like, oh, oh yeah. any, any kids? I'm like, no, no kids. I'm like, I have a dog. 
<laughs> so nobody's asking Mr. about him. <laughs> People love Mr. Pickles. If you don't follow me, you can follow me for Mr. Pickles. <laughs> Mr. Pickles. Is he a canine or? Yeah, he's uh, he's a Bernese Mountain Dog. He's a floof, big floof. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, so is that is that something you find difficult that you struggle with is is Billy and and I'm asking from a place actually I, I'm slightly familiar with it um, just been moving around and and now uh, maybe you know or don't know that me and David live in in Helsinki Finland and neither of us were born here so actually I think um, with his background and mine that's something that I super relate to is is you know up and leaving people um, wherever you land. And it, it has made uh, life complicated at some points. Um, and I imagine for you throughout 10 years of the same kind of pattern, that that's something you also, maybe even one of the main complicators. Yeah, for sure. And I can definitely sympathize with your situation too. I just, you know, you have to believe that you're you're part of something bigger and greater and that when, you know, those relationships and friendships, you know, come along and it sticks and it works, you know, it's going to be worth it. Um, so up until this point, it just hasn't happened. Um, I do have a couple of great friends from a couple of great places and uh, I'm very appreciative of that. Um but I don't think it would ever slow me down. Um, I don't think it would be something that I would, you know, get out, you know, to do. And I think also mm. as far as a relationship goes, um, when you find that person, I think that compromise will be there and For it will sure. work out like it's supposed to. For sure. That's a great point. Um, and it definitely comes with benefits. Like, uh, yeah, there's a downside, like something stupid, like social media. I see my homies from back home. They're like sitting with a few of the guys. One of them called me today. He's like, we're playing poker. It's two o'clock and I'm in Missoula. I'm like, fuck, I want to go. But then at the same time, you know, me and David would have never met people back in Chicago, back in LA. Like you, you scatter your, your trail a little bit and you can always find, um, some, some peace in those places when you go back. So that's, that's super cool too. Oh yeah. I don't think anybody should ever be stagnant or complacent. And I think if you're not putting yourself out there and, you know, in those uncomfortable situations, um, and though I appreciate like my, my sister, all she's ever wanted to do is be a stay at home mom. And, you know, she's married and has a kid and she wants a whole squad. And I appreciate that for her. But for me, I'm like, I want to go conquer the world. I want to meet people. I want to see things. I want to, you know, experience things for the first time. And although like I, I'm 31, uh, so although I, you know, I'm a little, you know, getting later in life. Um, I definitely, I, my drive. Young. For, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my drive for wanting to do all those things is still there. So not settling down anytime soon. There you go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, what about the what about the deployment uh, in Afghanistan? Can you can you take us through a little bit of that? Anything specific or just maybe just the journey in general? Anything that stands out? Yeah. Um, is that well? But first of all, is that the only one, or is there multiple? Yeah, that that was my only deployment, um, and it was. I always there was a few things that I wanted to do when I when I joined the military. One was deploy um, because I think it's important. Um, and then two, I wanted to be a company commander. Um, and my, my deployment was very rewarding. Um, 
it is 24 seven and you don't ever really get to shut off. But you know, there was a CrossFit gym there. Um, I was located in Bagram um, in Afghanistan. And um, you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about is um, promoting any benefits that we can provide for veterans and mental health. And being there, you definitely see firsthand how it affects the military service members. Um, I had a close friend of mine pass while he was there during a mission. And so it definitely affected our entire community. Um, the UD community is extremely small. Um, and so through all these podcasts and through everything that I do, I always try to, you know, put it out there that um, mental health is definitely a serious thing that, you know, especially my community. Um, our uh, motto is initial success or total failure. And it's definitely, it's definitely true. Um, so that was probably, that was difficult um, during my deployment. Um, but I am glad that I got to go and I got to, you know, serve my country in that capacity. Um, I, I think the other twofold, right? So our draw out, um, our pull out of Afghanistan definitely also hit home pretty hard um, when that happened because, you know, you were there, you saw everything, you saw everything that we were trying to do. And then the when everything was pulling out um, and just hearing about, you know, the stories and the logistics of how awful it kind of went, um, that yeah. was also heartbreaking. It, de it definitely took me back, so... Yeah, that's a lot for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, I bet that that the stress that you guys get in particular, the the EOD people, it must come from from the start as well. Like even from the training, because you guys are doing such an important job that it must be like tough after I don't know ten years, twenty years. I don't know how how, how do you see that? So. Um... When I, you know, when I was a company commander um, for my unit, I was I was very close with the members of my team. I had um, more or less 28 soldiers, so you get to develop a really close relationship with all of them. And my mentality was always, you know, when we're not working, things are going to be a little more relaxed. Um, so we kind of deviate slightly with as far as like standards and uniform standards, and you know, they can wear a ball cap, and you know, when they're done with their duties at the end of the day, they go home. There's not a set time to stay. Um, with that, they, because they know that when we're training and when, when you know, we're on a mission, it's it's life and death. And um, as a leader, like you, I never had to emphasize how important the training was because if uh, something happened during training, we, we call them noise pencil penalties, where if they're diffusing a, a you know, a, a bomb uh, or an IED, uh, we have a noise penalty that will go off if they mess up. And so when that noise penalty goes off, you don't have to say a word. You can see it written all over their face. They know they messed up because they know, you know, if this was real life, you know, they're dead. They're everybody in the room's dead. So like they always knew how heavy and serious the job was, though I never had to enforce like hey you messed up like it was never like that it was always like we all understood what just happened and they definitely took it personal um so that's how we dealt with it and you, and you must be like training constantly all the time to be prepared for the new equipment that come out you know you never know what what people you know how how people want to act and and mess things up so you guys must be training and developing all the time now 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, our job is a lot of, you know, from the creativeness of whatever IED maker is happening to be there at whatever location. Um, so when we're training, we'll have, we have our workbench. We actually will make our own IEDs and um, oh. yeah, so we'll make them our, ourselves and then we'll give them to somebody else and be like, here, try to diffuse this. And some of them are, you know, absolutely crazy and like all these different, like very intricate and like, you know, we got different like pipe collar bombs. We've got, you know, suicide vests and it's all up to the imagination of whoever is making it, which is reality. Um, so some of the guys I work with are, uh, <laughs> they're kind of scary. You're like, how, what? <laughs> And um, some, some of these guys are sitting at home, you know, like their wives inside making kids, you know, making dinner and they're out in the garage making IEDs for us to train on. And <laughs> that's how we train. Creative people. Huh? So what, do you, what do you do for work? Yeah. Jesus. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm. So, wait, but in the, in the training process, is it, um, is it, almost uh, like is it a good thing if they fail though at least at one point because how, how often does it happen that somebody's gone through training 100 percent uh no fail ratio and then they go into the field is that a little bit like is that almost too good to be true like maybe they haven't seen something uh, everything yet or or is is that how you want it to be so i think there's there's a, a good balance because if they go out and they you know diffuse everything without um, any penalties, uh, either the training's not hard enough or they're going to develop this sort of um, confidence as far as, right. oh, I, I can defeat anything. Um, so whether it's, you know, we have something, you know, that they diffuse, but, oh, they didn't see, you know, this, pro um, this projectile behind them pointing at them um, in the woods. So we'll definitely always try to hide things or make every scenario that we put out there in the training is different. And it definitely comes down to experience. Um, some of the guys that have been in 10, 15 years, um, they, they kind of, their, their spidey senses are way better than someone who just got in and is going through the training. Um, and they've seen a lot more and they, they know how, you know, you know, our adversaries, how they think, um, to, to an extent. So we're definitely always trying to push that envelope. I don't think anybody has ever gone through without failure. Um, but it, and it definitely, you know, it grounds them. It's, it can be very humbling. Um, and it, I think it better prepares them if they, if they do fail, you know, every once in a while. For sure. I'm thinking here, you know, one thing is to do the training and, and another thing is to actually go and defuse a bomb in a real life situation. Mm. I'm not sure if you've been in, in that situation, for example, but it must be nerve wracking. Even if you've been training for, I don't know if you've diffused hundreds and thousands of, of bombs during training, it must be like nerve wracking the first time that actually happened, right? <laughs> I remember uh, my first station uh, She's laughing. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were messing with me or what, but it was uh, the first time they ever, my unit ever put me through through some type of training for an IED. And it was night and they gave me uh, night vision. So I'm in night vision in a bomb suit. I don't know any of these people. They're just like, it's down there. And they're like, all oh, like putting the pressure on, putting the pressure on. Oh my gosh, I think I was in the bomb suit for like four hours. And, you know, oh. I 
I hear my company command at the time and they're just like laughing because it's just like they had put like I want to say three different IEDs out there. Um, so they can definitely they can definitely mess with you. But I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, impractical jokes, huh? <laughs> yeah, impractical oh, jokes. Oh yeah, and, and they know what they're doing for sure. Um, and there's there's definitely there's times where. Uh, my, the other one that I'll, I'll never forget is a PVC pipe collar bomb. And it was like, you, you could, it was on a person. It was, and we always have, you know, somebody sit in it or whatever, and they pretend to be the victim. And the my victim, one of my soldiers, he was like freaking out. And I'm trying to like cut the PVC with like a little saw. And then like, if once you open it up, there was, it's called a photo cell and it like reacts to light. And there was like all these different nuances to this thing. It kicked my butt, but <laughs> I'll never forget that one either. <laughs> That's pretty insane. It reminds me of like a little bit reverse engineering um, something like you're, you're a bit of an engineer there. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and when we're, when we're going through school, so EOD school is down in, uh, Eglin, Florida, and it is the best yet most stressful, you know, year of your life. And there's different phases and you know, we ended with like nuclear physics. That's part of our job. And, um, I remember because I have I know nothing about you know engineering and you know, like I was a kinesiology major you know I worked with athletes, and yeah. so when we get there and they're going through the class and it's just a fire hose of information and I was always the one like wait can you repeat that can we go over that again and they'd be frustrated they're like uh, you know Lieutenant Hernandez you know why aren't you getting this it's basic nuclear physics and I was like yeah but it's still <laughs> nuclear physics like <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> Basic nuclear physics. <laughs> yeah. How how many women are you in the in the I don't know how many women in the OED section are you in the states? EOD. EOD, sorry. Um. So so not many. Um. Back in the early nineties, I think they actually started allowing females. Um. So it's definitely more of a recent thing. Um, that females were allowed to do EOD. It was considered like more of a specialty, you know, for operations wise. Um, so like when I was a commander, I was in charge of all guys, um, which can definitely be challenging, but it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm familiar with it at that point. So, you know, when I go into a, those situations where it's all males and a lot of them are alpha males and, uh, you know, they're like, who is this? You kind of, we're kind of like dog sniffing butts and we're just like, are you going to be cool? And like, they're like, are you going to be cool? And like, some of them have never, you know, had a female commander leadership. And so it can be different. Um, but I think, you know, once we go out, we start running and we start, you know, lifting and stuff they're like, oh. She can she can kick my ass in this run, or she, she can, can do definitely this. kick your ass. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then it's kind of like you kind of have to prove yourself a little bit, um, and then you definitely just have to you know always establish like you know that standard and that barrier of you know what's professional, what's not, um, and you know that I mean that's how I I go about it. And yeah. after a couple months, it, everything's good, and you know there's a mutual respect there. So. Yeah. I think it's absolutely amazing what you did with, with that run because it didn't just raise awareness um, about mental health and stuff like that, but it probably inspired a lot of uh, young uh, girls to, to go and, and mm. join the military or do something similar, right? I mean, you that's know, for that, sure. was, 
those were my favorite messages. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of emotion and I don't cry, you know, like often or anything like that. But when I would get messages from, you know, Hey, my, my daughter, she's eight years old and she'd have a, you know, they'd take a photo of her in one of my shirts and it'd be like, you know, she looks up to you, you know, could you send us a video message or I got one, not even too long ago. Like, Hey, you're the reason why I joined the military. That stuff always, this gets me a little like emotional. I'm like, wow, that that's pretty cool. Um, it made it all worth it. That's heavy. That's a good. That's a good uh, come around for you, I'm sure. Especially when you're so focused on grinding, um, and and that stuff hits the inbox. That's that's pretty amazing for sure. Yeah, and you know, I just had this conversation with a with a buddy of mine, um, Zach Gardner. He he's also a big supporter of you know military and um, veteran mental health awareness. Um, he was just like, he gets some of those similar messages and he's like, what's cool about it though is like, we're just doing what we're doing. You know, we're just like living our daily lives. And then these messages come up and it kind of takes you off guard. Cause you're like, I, I don't think I was doing anything special. Like it was just, you know, something I, I did one day and like all these yeah. incredible, you know, things happen from it. And I'm like, wow, that that's pretty cool. That is, that is for sure. Um, yeah for sure i mean what what's in the future with you i've i've seen that you want to run and and or do an iron man how's how's that going okay so yeah it was like i'm always like what's the next adventure right yeah. and for a while it was like you know I, I did some triathlons i went to go see um the you know world championship um out in hawaii and i got to witness you know that iron man which is incredible it definitely inspired me and I got into it for a little bit, but my focus currently is the tactical games. Um, so I've actually been training for that. I competed in my first one this past weekend, and it was an incredible experience. And I, yeah, that community is something else. What are the tactical games? I yeah, have no clue. Yeah. yeah, so um jared jared halbert he's the current owner of the tactical games and um him and nick they are the president they we started talking and um man it, it's basically it's like crossfit with shooting uh it's a two-gun competition rifle and pistol and so it's all, all stress shooting and so you'll do some fitness and then you'll go do some shooting and uh, your fitness definitely cannot make up for your lack of shooting uh so it's definitely a shooting competition first but uh I, yeah i did my first one last, last weekend and i fell in love with it so i am very how, excited how did you perform <laughs> um so <laughs> um so this was a team event and my partner and i we we did okay um we we took nine we, we got top 10 which was okay um but i think I was definitely more of a competitive mindset, whereas my partner was definitely there to have fun. Um, so that created a little bit of tension during the competition, um, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure like the whole, whole media <laughs> crew, they all got, got it on camera, you know, like me, yeah. me yelling at them to like pick it up or whatever. Um, we're still friends. We're still, we're still okay. <laughs> um, some people were concerned that we weren't going to be friends after that, but um, yeah. it was just a difference in mentality. Um, and we had never, you know, worked out together, shot together and we just, you know, showed up and, you know, took a swing at it. Um, but moving forward, I will be competing as an individual. 
Um, so <laughs> it'll be like my first individual debut. I'm excited for that. <laughs> Final conclusion. So how, how did you guys get paired up? Is that random? Um, no. So, <laughs> man, so I had a partner leading up to the event and I was just like, you know, he was into guns, not so into fitness, but whatever. I just wanted to go for the experience. So we, we were training and then he just bitched out. Can I say that? I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> you can say worse. You can say worse if you want. Okay. Okay. He, um, yeah, he just got too intimidated and was just like, I, I, too stressed. I can't do this. And this was like three weeks before we were supposed to do it. And I was like, oh my God. So it was like, who do I know that can do fitness and that has a pistol and a rifle? So he was, um, Shane, my partner, he was actually an acquaintance from my old gym. And I was like, hey, can you be in West Virginia for like four days and like three weeks? And he was just like, uh, sure. And so that's how that came about. It was definitely very random. Uh, the whole time we were there was funny because people were like, are you guys married? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> he like, was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were like very concerned that we were going to be like divorced at the end of it. And I was like, no. Like, and, you know, <laughs> the competition was the competition. But <laughs> yeah, you should try and do that in a bomb suit, no? Oh, that would be a show. So, yeah, it was funny because Jared Halbert, um, the, the owner, he was talking about how he wanted to try to incorporate the bomb suit. Maybe I'm giving this a little, you know, a little bit away, but um, <laughs> how you know, how can we incorporate it into the tactical game somehow? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like yes. I'll help facilitate that and we'll get people in it and we'll see what happens with that. So, that that's definitely on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Has he ever been in a bomb suit before? <laughs> just, just curious. You know, he hasn't. He hasn't. Um, it's definitely yeah. experience. If you get the opportunity, um, it, <laughs> definitely take it. If nothing else, just to walk around and get your photos. But it's yeah. it's it's an experience. <laughs> that sounds like your game. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. The fact that I get to go out there and just do what I love, and like even with social media and stuff, I'm not very good at like you know, talking to to my my audience like they're my best friends. They say that, like, you know, you're supposed yeah. to do that kind of thing. I'm not I'm not very good at that. I'm actually kind of <laughs> awkward and shy. Um, but just the fact that I get to, you know, promote and do like fitness and shooting and people want to see it, I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. I can post about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. No, real conversation's so much better than talking to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> Definitely, but I have one question here that I've I've been thinking since since I saw your your bomb uh, suit run and stuff like that. How how much pressure can that bomb suit have? Like you know, it's, can it take? How, yeah, how, how much can it take? Like if a bomb goes off in your face. Yeah, exactly. Like, All right, so yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, yeah. So the guy that invented, and I forget his name, that invented the bomb suit, um, he was such an advocate for his product that he used to do live demonstrations. And <laughs> Jeez, I want to no see a video. Joke. Wow. No joke. So basically in the back of that's the dedication. Suit, yeah, right. Um, there's a long metal plate that protects your spine. So if I if my front is towards the threat, the IED or whatever it happens to be, I actually walk backwards for a certain uh, length of distance um, because what happens if it were to detonate, um, it won't fold you know me in half 
you know, and break my spine. So that's why you walk backwards from, from something like that. Um, that metal plate's there to protect your spine. And so he would do demonstrations and he would back up a certain amount of distance and something would go off. And that's how he would promote his project for a while. Um, if you're on top of something, there, there's, there's not much the bomb suit's going to do. Um, but depending on the distance and how much that explosive weight is within that threat, um, it, it all factors. And maybe it saves, you know, your limb or maybe you're no, you're far enough away that you just don't get, you know, that you don't die from something. Um, it definitely helps. Hmm. That's so okay. intense. Yeah. Uh, is, <laughs> is, the, is the bomb suit like different to a juggernaut suit? I couldn't tell you uh, the I couldn't tell you the difference. <laughs> okay, figure it out. Ask. So uh, when when you go on the deployment, for example, sorry if that was a stupid question. By the way, I'm <laughs> big Call of Duty fan. Uh, so when when you go on your deployment, are you doing live bomb diffusions? Yeah. So when the guys get a call, um, they will go out and I mean, man, so. Indirect fire, we get IDF to bases all the time. Um, so wherever. What does IDF you know, stand for? For those of us who are less educated on the subject. No, I'm going to draw a blank. Um, indirect fire. <laughs> ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so basically, you know, you got the, the adversaries out there. They're trying to, you know, hit the base with mortars or whatever. Maybe usually the mortars don't go off and sometimes like they'll come close to the base but miss it i don't know how at, the, at that point after being there for as long as we were they were still missing the mark but they were so basically they run up as close as they can they set it off they it kind of is just like a big rock flying through the air and sometimes it lands on the base um so eod will get called to the point of origin site um which is wherever that um you know mortar lands and so they'll respond to that ordinance and then they'll also send a team out to wherever the the enemy set, you know, the mortar off. And a lot of times those sites are what gets rigged or booby trapped. Um, so we definitely have, you know, our procedures as far as how do we approach their, you know, point of origin, wherever they set that mortar off, um, because the, the enemy knows that we're going there. They know that we're going to go in and investigate where it came from. Um, so a lot of times it will be booby traps. So they get uh, the base will get a lot of calls like for that. Um, and then we'll get attached also to a bunch of different units. So if somebody's, you know, um, we work a lot with SF. So if the SF teams are going out and they need a team, we operate in teams of two people one team leader and two, uh, one team member, and they'll get attached to whatever, um, you know, SF team is going out and, you know, they'll, they'll accompany them. And if they come across something, that team's there to help them. Okay. And how, how dangerous are those duds? Like if, it, if one is a dud, is it just a dud or there's like an in-between? Because like, for example, in Ukraine right now, you see a lot of content and media that like duds in the middle of the city, you know, or, or next to someone's house. Um, and I wonder how often those are like detonating after they land or if it's just like a dunzo. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely for the UD team, the experts to deal with. I see, you see videos all the time of people like, oh, this is a dud and they'll pick it up and they'll move yeah. it. And depending on so what sketchy. it is, 
Yeah, it is. And there, you know, it's always like, oh, I've done this a million times. Well, yeah, you might have been lucky a million times, but it's that like one more time that you're not going to get lucky. Um, so like when we see that it kind of breaks our heart because you're just like, you, you just don't know. Um, at that point, that piece of ordinance has been, you know, tampered. It's been, you know, um, it could potentially be just a little bit off or, you know, from striking home and going off, you just never know. Um, so we have our own way of, you know, our, our procedures of how we go about making something safe or determining if something's safe, but it's definitely not for the regular civilian or, um, you know, for like, you know, other soldiers to go up and be like, oh, I, I saw EOD pick this up and move it. And it's like, well, yeah, because we rendered it safe to do that. We didn't just like go and pick it up. So <laughs> um, sometimes it's hard to like explain like, uh, yeah, we did it that one time for this one piece of ordinance in this one situation, but it doesn't mean that it's a one size fits all. Such a such a touchy line of work. <clears throat> yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, that, I mean, that motto that that you said before was, uh, you know, self-explanatory. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's even our motto can um, be a little controversial. Um, we definitely have, you know, the wives and family members of you know EOD members that you know have lost their lives. And for for a minute there, it was, you know, should we change, you know, our motto? But at the end of the day, our job is what our job is. And everybody who is in EOD, we sign a volunteer statement. And at any time, we can pull that statement if, you know, we decide, like, okay, this isn't for me anymore. So everybody who has sacrificed, um, you know, performing this job, it, they did it doing what they wanted to do and what they love to do. And, they, and you know, we all, we all know the risk. We all know, you know, uh, associated with EOD. Um, so it's hard, but it's, it's reality. It's, you know, it's what we signed up to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, that I'm sure that's a, a gray area, um, in some terms, and, and that doesn't have to take away from the whole track record, but at the same time, that motto kind of sets the standard, you know, that's what you, that's, that's the standard you want to be at. Um, and you don't want to fail at all in that position, I imagine. So. Right. Absolutely. Definitely fits. And, you know, it's uh, it's cool when you get to sit down with some of the uh, older gentlemen uh, in EOD who have long since retired, um, because those were those were the pioneers. You know, we have our book, we have you know our publications of like how we do things now. But who wrote those publications were the guys that went in the first. You know, and for them, you know, they would have one guy go down and do something like, okay, I'm going to try to disarm the this you know piece of ordinance or this ID this certain way. And then they'd have somebody in the back, like with binos, just like watching them and just being like, okay, this is good. This is good. Okay. We're going to try it. We're going to keep doing this because it worked. And then, you know, something bad happened. They were just like, oh, that's what he did. That's what happened. Okay. okay we're not going to do that anymore. So like, wow. it was such trial and error in the beginning. And it definitely didn't start, you know, with the U.S. It was, you know, European, you know, team, EOD techs and everything else. Like it was, you know, and we try to combine efforts and we're like, okay, we've learned X, Y, and Z from, you know, trial and error, but this is the best practice moving forward. So, you know, the longer unity is around, um, the better, you know, procedures that we have. So it's the original, the OGs that, you know, they deserve a lot of the credit. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine possibly even the harder it will get. I mean, people will get more creative on, on the alternative side as well. 
oh yeah it's insane and now they're using like drones to drop things and like technology wow. to advance and yeah right it's crazy um and now we have a another branch of service called the space force i don't know if you guys are okay <laughs> yeah. with this um yeah whatever your feelings on it everybody seems to have an opinion on it but uh, on paper so... it sounds cool i mean it's <laughs> yeah. cool yeah and it looks cool but i don't yeah. know how cool it really is <laughs> So, you know, how, I want to you know, hear your Army, opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, well, like, so in the Army, you know, we're called soldiers. For these Space Force, they're called Guardians. Uh, so. <laughs> guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I'm, not making, I'm not making that up. Um, but yeah, really? That's the official call. term? Yeah. That's insane. Yep. I, uh, okay. I got a phone call from my old boss, and he's like, hey, you know, I got recruited to go to Space Force. He's like, are you interested in doing this? And immediately in my head, I'm like, Space Force EOD. Like, I'm in a, you know, an astronaut suit, like, defusing bombs, zero gravity. Like, in my head, that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be uh, heading over to Space Force. But uh, <laughs> No, you turned it down. Uh, I, I did. I did. Um, I, I want to get back to, you know, conventional EOD and, um, you know, continue my, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, may, maybe another time, maybe down the road. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. With your ambitious attitude, uh, there, there might be a chance Space Force calls again for, for Katie Hernandez. <laughs> Guardian Hernandez. <laughs> Guardian Hernandez, space bomb suit. <laughs> yeah. That, honestly, on paper, that sounds cool as shit, dude. If I was going to enroll for anything, it would most definitely be Space Force. That's 100%. Yeah. Okay. Um, I definitely have a few questions. I mean, we're, we're getting close on time. I can go for a bit longer, but, um, you know, you mentioned earlier how important mental health is in, in your community. Um, and that's something we talk about a lot with, with our community and, and, you know, well, it's the same community, but the, the people who are invested in our project, something we talked about with Joel, something we'll talk about in the future. Um, and what are, you know, well, actually, before I go into that, uh, I think a lot of people have this misconception that, um, mental health is something that needs to be taken care of after service and, and down the line and, and maybe not uh, in the present moment and maybe not even in active duty. And um, what are some of the ways that you've dealt with some of that? You know, you can share some of it and, and some of the, um, you know, support that you've gotten for it, or you can just talk about remedies that you have. But um, in, in the process of being in active duty, what are some of the remedies you have for your mental health? Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to start by saying, yes, it is definitely an issue. Um, and I think the military is doing a great job at um, really diffusing the stigma of, you know, if you go try to seek help, um, that's a bad thing. We're definitely trying to put it out there that get help if you need it, um, because although you're correct, you know, there's there's times, especially in a deployed environment where sometimes you just got to suck it up and do your job. You know, there's definitely times where that has to happen. Um, but debriefing and when you get back and being able to address um, your, your personal mental health, um, it's so important. Um, the things, you know, that, you know, my, my peers have seen and what things that they have gone through, nobody should ever have to endure those types of things, but they have. And in order to move forward and be able to put your best foot forward and to show up to work every day and to give your 100%, 
it starts with internal. Um, it starts in it, you know, at home, that support from your family. Um, so if you can't get right mentally and emotionally, you know, start, things start to fall apart and it happens rather quickly. And it, and it's, it's extremely sad to, to watch it happen, um, but there are resources out there. Um, so definitely talking. Um, it, it doesn't have to be to a therapist, a professional, but it can be. Um, but just being able to offload on, you know, your peers and being able to talk about it and not bottle it up um, and address those types of things. It's so important. Um, other ways, you know, of release, they're trying to jump into different organizations. Um, you know, there's so many out there, you know, adventures for, for veterans type stuff where, or, um, you know, just ways to just give back and, you know, physical fitness and everything else. Um, it all just kind of adds up. So it's definitely, it definitely hits home for me, you know, being able to, you know, being seen it firsthand and how it can affect the individuals within our ranks. Um, so thank you for addressing it. It's definitely an important topic. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being willing to speak on it. Um, I imagine for you, yeah, it meant, I mean, the physical fitness is, is a big part of the mental health and it's in that way that you go to the gym. Listen, Katie, you have an incredible body. You're, you're ripped as hell. You're, <laughs> you're freaking shredded. Um, and, and that's, but that's a byproduct. Right. The, the original reason that a lot of us uh, are, are in the gym or whether it's a CrossFit, CrossFit gym or, or other is for the, the mental aspect um, oh, and yeah. physical fitness is really good at that. I'm not sure if you know of a gentleman named Russell Davies. Uh, he does this uh, organization called PTSD where um, helping veterans that have faced trauma by throwing them in crazy adventures like kayaking down waterfalls and, and all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, seems to really contribute. Yeah, that's incredible. Just giving, uh, you know, people the opportunity, especially wounded veterans, um, just being able to just like speak with them and talk to them, like, cause they're, they're people. And, you know, at one point, you know, they were in their glory days and being able to talk to them, like they are the impressive human beings that they are. I mean, I think that's very important too. Um, I think sometimes, you know, people want to be sympathetic, but they, they don't want sympathy. They want you to talk to them, you know, with dignity and respect and like a hero, you know. So um, organizations like that are incredible, giving veterans and wounded veterans like those those opportunities. For sure. Um, did you have any, any military members in, in your, uh, like, um, your family before you? Um, not exactly. Not immediate family. Um, so I think that's why it hit my mom pretty hard when I told her, you know, Hey, I joined the military and then not six months later, like, Hey, I'm going EOD. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go defuse bombs. And she starts crying again. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, not, not, not in my immediate family. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering if you maybe had a chance to tap into some of the knowledge, um, of some of the older warriors of, of those generations um, no i definitely i definitely have my mentors um and i i do have to do a shameless plug to to tulsi gabbard um she is one of my mentors and i look up to her uh man she's an incredible person if you if you get a chance you should listen to like some of her joe rogan podcasts and everything else but she is definitely you know who i look to and if i need advice that's who i would go to yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, love Joe Rogan. Sure. Listening to him talk for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we're 
supporting partners of, of the USO. And uh, these guys do, do a lot of work with trying to provide that, that piece of home when you're away, you know, your deployments and stuff like that. Um, how was your experience with the USO? Have you ever, have you ever encountered them? Uh, and how did they make you feel? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the USO is always wonderful because it's always just like a pleasant light in the middle of crap. So, like, it's just like you get Wi-Fi, there's air conditioning. Sometimes you're in situations where it's like 100 degrees out and you're like, let's go to the USO. <laughs> let's go hang out. And then uh, the resources there, like sometimes there's a TV or a foosball table. It's just so it's such a nice release from the reality of everything going on around you. Very appreciative of the USO. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's good to hear. Did or did they uh, come out when you were on tour by chance or no? Um, where were they? They weren't in Afghanistan. It was going through Kuwait is where I I ran into them. Hmm. Perfect. Um, so and then <clears throat> they just have random bases all over then in Kuwait. You could just like hop into the USO and and do what you please. Or... Yep. Yep. Huh, that's cool. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure now. I don't know what the situation is now after everything, but uh, you used to be able to, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we read that they're, uh, when we were going through this process, that them and the Red Cross are the only two organizations to have access to every base yeah. on wow. Earth. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, all right, Katie. You know, it's been a pleasure. I have uh, one more question for you, kind of two questions in one. It's my infamous thing. I'm always asking double questions on accident. Um, so first of all, what is it, Katie? What's your, in summary, what's your message uh, if you have one to put out to the world? And other than that, other than the tactical games, what are we um, going to be expecting from you in the next uh, coming time? Okay, so I guess... Uh... My, my two themes are usually, um, I get asked this question a lot, you know, um, what does it take to do X, Y, or Z? And my response is always the same. It's always like, whatever the standard is, meet the standard and then work harder. So if you're a female trying to get into the military, if you're, you know, trying to break into a sport, whatever the standard is, just go above and do more. Um, so there's that. And then my other one is if you're struggling mentally um, and emotionally, get seek help. Um, there's plenty of resources out there. Um, and you should take advantage of them. Um, as far as what's next, the tactical game, I know you, <laughs> you said other than the tactical game, but right now that is like, you know, being able to go and compete individually um, with some of the, those women, I, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely need to uh, get get some shots downrange um, and improve that that part of my game, but that's going to be my, my debut in February. So I got about six months, and uh, – I'll definitely be going to, you know, show, show what I've, you know, worked up to. So. Hell yeah. Like I said, we're cheering you on. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be watching for that. So um, it's been a pleasure, Katie, for real. You're, you're awesome. We love having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is, this is great. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks. And let's, let's hope we meet in the future and, and have a run together now in the, in, in, yeah. in the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks, Katie. Take All care right. now. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.